It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Hey, uh, hello everybody. Friday, TGIF, we made it. As uh, it is the Get You to the Weekend edition of the PJ Show, a football Friday edition. Uh, we are uh, here for the uh, next hour in our coveted 6 o'clock uh, spot on Fridays. Philip the Ref Pilkington is uh, producing the uh, show today. Hello, Pilk. Good morning, Patrick. Good afternoon, Patrick. How you doing? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you are consuming said program. Let me also roll this out there, Pilk, a little meeting of the uh, show, if you will. Uh, we'll be on the air tomorrow with our Pirate Game Day countdown coming your way. By the way, Mull is... Uh, Hitting me up, uh, Pilk, on uh, needing to know all the uh, information to log in. So can you uh, handle that while I uh, set up the table for our coverage for the weekend for yeah, Pirate Athletics? All right, there we go. Uh, we are going to have uh, coverage for you tomorrow at 9 a.m. with our Pirate Game Day Countdown. It is uh, fueled by Bush Light, yours truly, uh, along with uh, Terrence Copper and uh, Joe, Sim- uh, Joe Sampson. We'll be bringing you uh, countdown coverage. We'll hear from Stephen Igo. Uh, Going to try to get uh, word from the booth up there. So uh, we'll be uh, uh, talking to some people on the scene of uh, everything going on tomorrow. Looking forward uh, to that. As uh, Andrew Bays, we're going to try to lasso him into it. It'll be his uh, final uh, game of the uh, season on the network uh, as he does the road games. So uh, – Bay's there, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to him. Uh, Steve and I go, of course, if I haven't mentioned that already, we'll be up there and we'll talk to I go as uh, well. All right. Uh, the other uh, bit of information is uh, at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, after our local show and local coverage, we will begin with our uh, pirate uh, pregame extravaganza coming up uh, tomorrow, and uh, that will be coming your way uh, on not only this station, 94.3 The Game, but 107.9 WNCT and all across uh, the state on the uh, ECU Sports Radio Network. Jim Zoki, Bays, uh, Macy O'Donnell, David Horn will be reporting from uh, Marine Corps Stadium there in Annapolis. And then noon will be the kick tomorrow between the Pirates and the Midshipmen. We've got ECU basketball coming your way at uh, 1.30 on Sunday here on 94.3 The Game. And uh, that will be a 2 o'clock tip-off against Northeastern in the Town Bank Holiday Classic. So that'll be going on uh, with uh, the radio airwaves. And then 6 o'clock each of the next uh, two nights uh, for uh, the network, 107.9 WNCT, and here on 94.3 The Game as the Pirates will play in this three-day MTE event. Uh, Pilk will be hosting the show Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so he'll have uh, stuff going on then. Pilk, are you ready for that? Do you feel good about that, hosting the show? I do. It's Monday a little uh, PJ show slash basketball pregame show leading us into basketball gotcha. coverage. So that's going to be fun. Yep. Ready for yeah, the Town Bank uh, Classic. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Are you? I know you'll be in the studio on the uh, scoreboard for football this weekend. Uh, basketball, will that be you Sunday as well? No, nah, I'm going to the Panthers game to get us watch us get waxed by the Cowboys. That's going to be Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe. Yeah. Little little Joey football on the scoreboard. Is that what I'm hearing? It is. I'm kind of hoping the Panthers get waxed because one of my high school teammates is on the Cowboys, and he, he's oh, active, really? but he only gets in when they're up big. He's like the number five guy on the depth chart. He's got C.D. Lamb ahead of him. You know, and oh. all the you know Michael Gallup. So he's got all these star receivers at him. So like last week, he had four catches because they they killed the Giants. But yeah. Um, well, look. As I said to Zoki yesterday, uh, those giant wins should only count as half a win, if we're being honest. Yeah, when you're beating Tommy DeVito, it might be a quarter of a win. It's a good point, because uh, I just think uh, they're atrocious. All right, uh, let's do a quick pirate report with some audio, uh, some cuts we didn't get to 
in our reportage yesterday. Here is uh, Philip the ref uh, Pilkington hitting the button in three, two, one. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, let's uh, get number one queued up and ready, Pilk. This is Coach Houston, opening statement, uh, heading into Navy following uh, the Wednesday practice. Good couple of days of practice. Uh, Kids working really, really hard. Um, Thought we had a really sharp day today, so... They're excited about the weekend. Huge, huge challenge this weekend. Um, just, you know, Navy is always a challenge. I think that uh, just this year's team, just how, how hard they play, how physical they are, um, you know, just really strong defense. You know, they're doing, we talked about the other day, doing, you know, a lot of diverse things on offense, um, present a lot of challenges to prepare for. Um, so, you know, huge challenge this weekend. But, you know, the kids are working really hard. They're excited about the, uh, excited about the matchup. All right, so uh, the difference uh, on playing on the road against one of the service academies like Army, like Navy, uh, like, uh, I guess to a degree, uh, Air Force. Hit it. It is different just from a standpoint of, you know, you got the entire core that will be there. And that's, you know, it's it's one of the things I really respected when I was at the Citadel is, you know, the core, the core marching in was kind of a highlight of game day, you know, pregame. And, you you know, they're a, they're a big part of the – um, you know, big part of the program, and uh, there's so many things that uh, it's just so different than a than a traditional public institution. Um, and so, I just you know, a lot of respect for uh, just the tradition up there. We've talked about it uh, at the end of practice yesterday, and just talked to the kids about just they've got to focus on just the what happens between the lines and uh, all that other stuff. Just let that uh, be what it is. All right, and uh, Donnie K here for you. Uh, he uh, is talking about one of our favorite rooms. Because we like to hear our brethren in the media ask about it. You know what room that is, Pilk? It's not the Boom Boom Room. I want to go to the Boom Boom Room, but it's not the Boom Boom Room. You know what it is? Uh, by looking at our sheet here, is it the running back room? It's the running back room. We love to ask questions in the uh, local media about the running back room. It's, it's r- almost like the Boom Boom Room. But it's not quite the Boom Boom Room. It's the running back room. Donnie K. It's really been more of a stressful situation than a good situation. You know, you 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 never have enough good players. I, I don't I don't think anybody you know says we just got too many good players. You know, what I'm saying like that because in this game you're always one snap away from somebody being out. A month ago we were really thin at running back. We were having a hard time practicing. You know, we didn't have enough guys. Now they're all back, and now how do you keep everybody happy? You know, what I'm saying there's not enough balls. You know, what I'm saying there's not enough runs. You know. Uh, we can't get enough plays, and we're getting quite a few plays, with the exception of the the two lane game where we didn't have very many plays. We didn't get the ball, but uh, so yeah, it's a tough because how do you keep them happy? How do you keep them hot? You know, what do you do? What's the rotation? We we spend a lot of time talking about that. Uh, Pilk, I don't want to uh, necessarily uh, you know re uh, re air old audio here, but. Uh, Pull up cut 22 from the vast soundbite roster because uh, this will be a little piece to conclude our pirate report on. This is Coach Swartz talking about uh, what is coming up for the uh, Pirates as far as uh, this MTE. We did get to it yesterday, but uh, here as we're setting record records for number of uh, listeners in the uh, 6 o'clock hour in the local market, uh, you know, there may be people who did not hear yesterday's show. So uh, here we go with uh, Coach Swartz setting the table for the MTE this weekend. We knew today's day was going to start a uh, stretch of four games in six days. So we got to recover tomorrow, and we got to get right back at it uh, on Friday as we get ready for Northeastern on Sunday. And then you go Sunday at 2, Monday at 6, Tuesday at 6. And this is a, a tournament-style play. We're going to have to learn from this, get ready for Northeastern, and that's where all our focus is. And, you know, we'll start doing that tomorrow somewhat with their bodies, and then we'll get going uh, and practice on Friday. All right, that is today's Pirate Report. Bill playing some music from my era. All right, we're going to break. When we come back, Brian Mull. Get a little jam band music ready, Bill, for Mull. Talks of college hoops, including that ECU MTE, 
right after these words on the Get You to the Weekend Edition. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. All right. Uh, Maul, I, I told him to get some jam band, and he went uh, the dead's most commercial successful uh, single. That's Pilk for you. Pilk is the uh, epitome of uh, a middle-aged white guy in brown shoes and a blue blazer, just so you know, Maul. Brian Maul. I'm sure what to say that. <laughs> and he's 20 something that's what's so great about that comment uh the great brian mull uh down in his uh, sanctuary in uh the port city looking forward to uh maybe seeing mall uh, later this weekend we'll see we will see uh brian mull uh covers college basketball the uh, blue ribbon which i've been reading chris dorch's blue ribbon intensely here the last couple of days and the first few weeks of the season and uh wanted to see uh about uh well your thoughts on ecu obviously you watched the game against uh you watched the game against uh upstate and, and look upstate pirates should have beaten them brandon johnson not being there didn't help but upstate is well coached and they're scrappy and dave dickerson if the basketball gods are smiling down, they need to give him a better job because he <laughs> he's been in some lousy places. So, yeah, yeah but he's he's, yeah. Found a, he's found a way to get it done. But uh, what what, you, what was your impressions of uh, the loss the other night to Upstate? Before we get into this MTE for the Pirates and other multiple team events, <clears throat> I thought it uh, it showed ECU's uh, immaturity, maybe uh, and, and youth. Um, in, in that, uh, you know, we're at home. Here's a team that's that's never really accomplished a whole lot. We can just kind of roll the balls out there. And uh, Upstate came out and took it to them from the initial tip, punched them in the mouth, uh, drove the basketball to the rim, and took advantage of Brandon Johnson's absence, uh, both in being able to get easy shots around the basket and rebound. And um, ECU just could not find a way to, to – rely on its defense, which is where it's tried to hang its hat. And uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, Mike Schwartz didn't want to lose that game, but maybe in the long run, uh, that's that's a game that gets guys to pay attention to the scouting report and detail and uh, understand the effort required in modern college basketball. Anybody can basically beat anybody with a few exceptions. And there, there's talent dispersed around through the portal and everybody's got some guards, and we saw the best guard on the floor uh, was was the kid from Upstate, Broadnax. He controlled the game at both ends, and um, uh, it was, uh, you know, I think it just goes to show you can lose. Basically, especially as you're getting into conference play, you can lose to anybody, and, and you have to play well, and you have to execute the game plan, and I think ECU fell short. We're talking to Brian Mull. Uh, R.J. Felton is obviously uh... – I mean, look, nobody's done what he has done the last two games, 30 points or better in consecutive games. The only other person on that list in ECU annals, Theodore Blue Edwards. Blue. Wow. Yeah. What a legend. <laughs> what, a bad, what a bucket maker I he mean, was. That's, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, what a, what a, what, what great class for uh, R.J. Felton to be in a guy that played in the league for 13 years. Yeah, no doubt. Anytime you can uh, get mentioned with a uh, pirate legend such as Blue Edwards, uh, R.J. Felton's great. I didn't mean to take anything away from him, but just felt like, uh, you know, Broadnax's ability to control the floor was very important the other night. Um, Johnson, I think we realized from that game how uh, <clears throat> how important Johnson is with his uh, experience and toughness. And, uh, you know, with having Felton on the outside, hopefully Pettiford can stay healthy like he was he was battling maybe uh, some issues the other night. Uh, there's enough firepower. And, of course, Ezra Sar has been has been terrific, but um, he can't do it by himself on the interior. And uh, they need 
Schwartz needs another one of those big guys uh, to, to step up and, and give him a solid three-man rotation because it was obvious that they're lacking a little bit in that area um, at the forward position. And they're going to need that uh, going, uh, obviously, in, in through the rest of this non-conference and in, into the American. You know, uh, I think there's a little bit of the, the book out there on, on Bobby Pettiford is, you know, kind of a, an injury play guy, at least that was his his deal at Kansas. And while a guard that, when healthy, could stay on the floor, um, his, his game may be more... Uh, of one that could blossom at the American level. That's not to take anything away from the AAC, but, you know, I, the Big 12 is is the best league in college basketball. That's that's the big boy league right now, uh, whether uh, ACC fans like it uh, or not. That's that's just a fact. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think in the American, if Bobby can be healthy and if he can't uh, kind of work through the cramps and, and some of the leg issues, if he can if he can – be productive and healthy. Uh, I think the Pirates are a different team in every game, every night, and they're a different team, especially uh, in league play. No doubt, and and you have to have a, a guard, a lead guard, uh, to win league games. Um, you have to have someone who can control the game and distribute the ball and make the right plays and be a scoring threat with five minutes or less left in the game because, you know, the other night's a perfect example. ECU's a 12 or 13-point favorite, and yet that game came down to the final minutes, if not the final possession. And that just seems to be the norm. Uh, you know, the, there's, there's again, the talent's dispersed around, and, and having a he, – he's going to have to play at a, a, a borderline all-conference level for ECU to, to reach its potential, you know, uh, to, to have a really good season, you need to have three, three to maybe even four all conference caliber players on your team. And, um, certainly with Ezra and Brandon Johnson and Felton, you know, if Pettiford could join that mix at a very important position, I, I think he, you know, you're right. He's the key probably to their, uh, you know, success as they get into conference play. And I think East Carolina's got to get a little more out of the wings too. They got to get guys making some shots from the perimeter. Those wing players, if they do that, that that's going to be a big help. All right, uh, let's talk the MTE, the uh, Town Bank Holiday Classic, which will start Sunday at two with the Pirates playing Northeastern. So let's start there. You and I have done a lot of Northeastern games uh, over the years. Uh, Bill Cohn, uh, a little bit of a struggle this season for him, but he is his teams typically get better as the season goes on. Uh, what are you looking for out of them uh, as they head into the weekend in Greenville? Yeah, they've been in a little bit of a uh, <clears throat> a downward turn here the last couple of years. I think certainly uh, they had some pretty intense restrictions when all the COVID stuff was going on, and they uh, are not as pliable in the portal as some other institutions with their academic standards. So they have to be a little bit more selective, and they've lost uh, quite a few very good players, including Tyson Walker, who's the dominant point guard at Michigan State, He's played two years at Northeastern. So Bill's uh, kind of adjusted to that. He had a, a very large freshman class last year, and he played those guys quite a bit and took some lumps. Well, they're all back, and most of them are sophomores. He added a graduate transfer point guard from Harvard, uh, who has really nice size, like 6'5", Lucas Sakota. Um and uh, they've got a nice big man, Chris Doherty, one of these guys who feels like he's been in college for about 10 years. And, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're going to be well coached. They've had some turnover issues. I think that'll be important for ECU to put some pressure on them early and see how they can handle that. Um, and uh, you're right, Bill Cohen's teams generally get better. But uh, they're, he's kind of at a crossroads there where, uh, you know, they're, they're, they need to have a good season, I feel like. And uh, there's a little bit of pressure on him this year to perform. Brian Mull, a college basketball writer at BG Mull on X or Twitter, whatever you call it, wherever you uh, log on, you can follow him uh, there. Part of the Blue Ribbon uh, preseason publication, which you can still get and is very helpful, especially this time of year with all the games being played this weekend and week upcoming, just to, to get some info on the teams. Uh, and it's really well-written stuff by Mull and his colleagues there. I want to ask you a little bit about the other two teams. Uh, we'll start with Georgia Southern. What's the book on the Eagles? Yeah, Georgia Southern and Kennesaw both. Um, 
<clears throat> both of the head, first year head coaches at both programs, both were uh, actually on the staff at Alabama for Nate Oates last year, working together and now facing each other. Probably not something that they uh, would have planned or, or hoped for necessarily, but that's the way it worked out. So I think uh, with Georgia Southern, they're in a total rebuild. Again, changing system, changing styles, uh, not really uh, probably having the talent, the pieces that they want to play the style that we've come to see at Alabama, which is up-tempo, attacking attacking the basket in transition and firing away from three-point three lines. So uh, he's trying to implement that, but uh, doesn't really seem to maybe have the pieces yet. So I think maybe we'll see a modified version of that. It'll be interesting to watch over three days, as I'm sure uh, he's he's trying to learn a lot about, about his team and uh, see if they can play this style. Uh, you know, then looking at Kennesaw State, of course, uh, one of the greatest stories in, in college basketball history last year, going from one win uh, and four years later being the NCAA tournament and being the conference champion. And then, of course, their coach moved on to South Florida. They brought in Pat, Pat, Antoine Petway, a longtime Alabama assistant, former player there, and, and they've been flying. They've only played one game against a division one team out of their three, but uh, I watched a little bit of their game with Florida state and it was a track meet. I mean, they are, uh, they've got a couple guys back, um, but uh, 80, 85 possessions or something. I mean, just, just shots being fired very quickly. And so uh, it's, it's exciting brand, uh, probably easy to recruit to. And that's the way he, he wants to play after having worked under Oates. Um, they do have a couple of key guys back Their point guard and center are both back off of that team from last year. So uh, I think Kennesaw could be dangerous when the threes are falling. They're going to play each other at five Sunday. Looking forward to calling that with Jay Sonholder for ESPN+. Plus. All right, uh, Mr. Uh, Mull, uh, Duke is hosting their own MTE. Blue Devils got a pretty impressive win on a neutral floor against Michigan State. When we last talked to you, they lost a week ago to Arizona, so it's another one of those early season wins. It probably doesn't hurt you, but it probably gives the uh, staff and John Shire something to uh, coach from. Yeah, I mean, it's great to, to have these games early in the year. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the, the power schools are going to mix in some home games that, that are fairly comfortable wins. But I think, especially with a younger team and Duke, uh, even though they've got some guys back this year, uh, they're, they're implementing a, a couple of freshmen into the rotation. It's just good for them to get a taste of what it's really like to play against grown men, an older physical team like in Arizona or, or another uh, considered Final Four contender in Michigan State and, and see what it takes um, and, and to uh, maybe get humbled a little bit early after you've been everybody's been telling you how great you are for your whole life and for months and months and then to, <laughs> to, to, to get a dose of reality of uh, you know what you everybody was great when they got to the college level this is what it takes to win here and uh, you know the little things playing defense shot selection I know Shire was frustrated with uh, the, the way the ball kind of broke down and the one-on-one -on -one play against Arizona. And I thought they did a better job of, of moving the ball against Michigan State. And, uh, you know, certainly the emergence of, from that, of Caleb Foster is a story from that game, uh, giving, giving Duke another proven scorer on the wing, shot maker, looked uh, very comfortable in the moment. North Carolina native um, Caleb, Caleb Foster. Uh, so I think Duke grew up. And um, certainly haven't changed my opinion of them. They'll be tested again here in a few weeks in Arkansas, which will be a hostile yep. environment. Um, and, and these games are good for college basketball. And I'm tired of the neutral court uh, obsession that we have and watching really good teams play in, uh, you know, partially full, if that, arenas. Like, that was a great environment in Cameron, as it will be in the McHale Center next year in Arizona when Duke yep. returns that game. All right, uh any other MTEs that are catching your attention that the folks should tune into? Um, of course, Maui's the big one uh, cranking up Monday. I mean, the field there is incredible, as good as maybe it's ever been with Marquette and Tennessee and Kansas and Purdue. I mean, you're talking about four teams that think they can make the Final Four I mean, that could, right that's there. That's a Final I'm, Four. That could be a Final yeah. Four. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and different styles and uh, just, just really good coaches. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a phenomenal field. It's always a good field, but this may be the deepest field out there. I think currently going on the Charleston Classic uh, is probably the best of these early MTEs and uh, some would say the best outside of Maui. 
Uh, you know, the one in the Bahamas certainly very good as well. But uh, Houston, everybody in Greenville knows all about Houston and uh, things just don't change in Houston. It's like going to the dentist, trying to score a basket against them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he tells you you're going to need not one, but two root canals. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're actually a little more explosive offensively, a little more shooting than they've had in the past. And uh, it's going to be really fascinating to watch how they compete in the Big 12. They were picked second in the preseason. And, uh, you know, Calvin Sampson, watching him on the sidelines, I mean, every time they commit a foul or a turnover, he looks like he just looks so so frustrated. I mean, he just has such high standards for that program, and uh, they, they certainly produce that on the court. Brian, uh, how about the Myrtle Beach event? Yeah, the Myrtle Beach event's good. Um, a really interesting, eclectic uh, mid-major, uh, regional mid-major field. Uh, Liberty is, is good as ever under Richie McKay. Um, and, and certainly uh, when, when you look at uh, Furman coming off an NCAA tournament win, uh, it was always solid Wichita State program from the American. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a been, a been a really good event. And, again, it's a great opportunity for these programs to get like-on-like games, uh, to find out where they're at this time of year. And, yeah, these games will be forgotten by, by conference tournament time, but, but the, the players will learn a lot and the coaches will learn a lot from them. All right. Um, want to uh, get a break here. Are you going to play Hold My Beer next, Mull? Yeah, sure. You're going to stick around? Yeah, All cool. right. Brian Mull's a very what grinds my gears, but he's not a hot take guy. It's more of an analytical look. So we'll bring Brian Mull into the Thunderdome for a little Hold My Beer in our next segment. Still to come here on the program, Shane Winkler will talk the ECU fall softball season. He's had uh, that program in the midst of uh, going around and really coming on. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Shane Winkler coming up in uh, uh, the next half hour, which uh, gets underway right after this on the Patrick Johnson Show. Do you have something you need to get off your chest? Get off your chest. I am not here for rage. I'm here for revenge. Did your favorite team blow another game? They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Or is there just something that's driving you crazy? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to let it all out. You have made me very angry. Very angry indeed. With another edition of Hold My Beer. Hold my beer. I'm all going to play it for the first time. Uh, Maul, I, I'm still gnashing mine over in my uh, head. You start by saying, hold my beer, and you go. This is a stolen bit, but or borrowed bit, let's just say. All right, let's go with uh, Philip the Rep Pilkington, the epitome of a middle-aged uh, white guy in brown shoes and a blue blazer. He'll do the first hold my beer, and then we will... Uh, We'll, we'll let you give it a go here, Mull. Uh, and it could be about anything. It doesn't have to be sports. It could be anything. That's just maybe not going as well as you would like in, in your life or just as it maybe irritated you. A slice of life, if you will. All right, Pilk, take it away. Hold my beer. The NFL scheduling games in primetime spots or 425 windows based off teams' fan bases. This late in the season, every 425 national televised game needs to be a flex. There's no reason the whole world needed to watch the Cowboys beat the ever-loving crap out of the Giants last week when Fox could have moved the Browns-Ravens game, which they had the rights to, or the 49ers-Jags game, which we thought was going to be good and it turned out to not be good. But no, we had to watch the Cowboys beat Tommy DeVito just because the Cowboys have a big fan base. News flash, Fox, when you're the only game on in the window, people are going to watch it, whether it's their team or not, and we do not want to suffer through a 50-point game. You stink, Fox. You stink, CBS. Put on good teams. Don't just put on the Cowboys, Steelers, or Packers because they have national fan bases. Put on good games. Hold my beer. Pilk, you realize, you realize it's a TV show, don't you? I mean, you realize that's all this really is. I know, but I want to watch a good TV show, and I'm going to watch the 425 game regardless of who's on. I don't care if it's two teams with the smallest fan base. I don't care if it's Chargers, Jaguars. Those are the worst two fan bases in the NFL. But you know what? They have high-powered offenses that score points, and the game's probably going to be close. But we knew the Giants were not going to hang with the Cowboys. To me, um, and Mole, this is also the other part of it, we, we comment... We have the gripe, and then then the others comment. Um, 
I think, you know, I always like to, on Sunday, watch the kind of second half of that uh, game. It leads me into my evening of relaxation. It helps uh, fend off the Monday scaries, you know, or the Sunday scaries for Monday. It just gives me a little relaxation out of the weekend, kind of like golf does in the spring. A little relaxation into the weekend. Gets me set up for 60 minutes because I'm old. So, yeah, that's that's the deal uh, there. Mull, what what say you on – so I agree with you, Pilk. You like the game to be good or competitive or, or uh, uh, entertaining at the very least. Mull? Yeah, I'm with him on the on the uh, the flex there. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's get let's you know, people are watching. Let's give let's get a game that that might let's give be them a interesting. game. Okay, might I'm, have I'm some impact that. on the playoffs. It, it does seem like something that the networks could very easily make a an adjustment to, even if they did it a week out. All right, Maul, uh, go ahead. Your turn. Hold my beer. I'm tired of Rory McIlroy. I'm just, I'm just, I've had, I've had enough. Just from he's dominated the news for the last couple of years, but he can't dominate the back nine on Sunday at a major, leaving putts short left and right. He is one of the biggest underachievers relative to his talent in the last 50 years in golf. Uh, to have only won four majors playing against these guys uh, is really embarrassing when you look at his talent. He is, uh, he's on the policy board. He's, he's the spokesperson for the PGA Tour. Now he's resigning from the policy board. He's making comments about other players. He's screaming at people during the Ryder Cup. He's getting in a, he's getting in a verbal altercation with my man, Joe LaCava. Win a golf tournament that matters, Rory. You've got $400 million. You've got jets and houses and beautiful family, but you can't close the deal on Sunday. And I am really uh, just, just worn out with all of that is Rory McIlroy. You're joining. I've been on this Rory thing the whole time. How many years have I been on the Rory thing? How many years, Mull, have I been on the Rory McIlroy eye roll thing? Tell the people you've been on it a while, even before the the live and you know stuff happened and all of yeah. that. But um, look, you know, in 2014, 10, I mean, that was ten years ago. I mean, let's be honest. I, I said, here's a guy. I mean, he's going to win ten majors. Every time I say that, uh, <laughs> something happens. I said, when when Tiger won the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, I said he was going to win twenty five, and it took him ten years to win another one. Um, <laughs> but like. When you look at who, I mean, Rory, you're playing against Patrick Cantley. And I mean, th- these guys, like you should be dominating with your talent. Every single person who's ever played golf with him from the time he was 15 years old says he has all of the physical tools. Um, but obviously where he's lacking uh, is uh, the, the wide gap between his his hero, Tiger Woods, is mentally. He doesn't have the ability to, to close the deal uh you know, when he's got his best stuff, it's all pretty. But, you know, Tiger won a lot of tournaments when he didn't have his best stuff because he was mentally tough. Do you think – I mean, he, he'll backdoor his way to a top ten more than anybody you'll ever see, especially in a major. Uh, but he also won the PGA – or won the FedEx Cup last year. So, I mean, he's he's won a little bit here recently, right? Well, Hoblin won the most recent FedEx Cup. but I know. But I'm yeah, talking Rory, last year. Rory I'm won the, the year before, before last year. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he can win some FedEx Cups. He can win three or four tournaments a year. But your career <laughs> as a golfer, when you're at that right. level of talent, is defined by one thing only. And when you look at some of the people who, who are ahead of him on the major championship list, I would tell you that Rory McIlroy is more physically talented than most of them. Uh, All right, we're short on time here, so I'm going to do a quick hold my beer. Hold my beer, cranberry sauce in a can. It is awful. And... <laughs> I don't know how anybody – I've never liked it as a kid. I don't like it now as an adult. Blech. Hold my beer. I'd almost – I'd rather have a beer in a can than a can of cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving coming up. Any comments? Oh, I'm with the, you there. Yeah, nobody likes cranberry. I don't even know the last time. I don't even know if my family does cranberry sauce. Nobody does cranberry sauce. Mine does, stupid, and it's it's yeah. it's grotesque. And I do like I did it like moles hold my beer because I like I used to really like Roy, but I'm I'm tired of hearing about him. Yeah, Mall cranberry sauce in a can. No, Bear it's just foul. weird. 
it's just weird. It comes out with the ridges on it. And like, I'm, what am I supposed to do with it? I see it one time a year. Or do I have to eat it? Like, is it part of the, some type of ritual? Yeah, I don't want it. I'm good. It looks like I, if someone froze blood. Oh, yeah. God. Jeez, froze blood. That's what it looks All like. Right. It looks like frozen blood. They put it in a can, and now we're like dethawing it. Ugh. <laughs> and it stays congealed even after it sits out as people will go by and pick the leftovers. Oh, it's just, it's gross. All right. Hey, and, and get it real stuffing. None of this stove, to- nothing against the stove top people, but let's get some real dressing or stuffing. Do that at your Thanksgiving. There's plenty of uh, recipes. All right, Brian, have a happy uh, Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks and uh, thanks for your time today. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a safe and happy holiday, everyone. All right, Brian Mull, you can Twitter. There he is. Good-looking young man. Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington will uh, take us to a break here, and we'll come back and uh, wrap the program up with Shane Winkler from ECU Softball. Always great to talk to Shane Winkler. We welcome him back to the Patrick Johnson Show. He is the coach of the ECU Softball Pirates. Coach, uh, how are you, my friend? Uh, doing great, Patrick. I appreciate you having me, but it's uh... – it's middle of November, but it's it's really an exciting time for for our softball program. So it's usually the time things start winding down, but uh, we've got a lot going on recently, so a lot to be excited about. Yeah, we'll talk all about it. Give me an idea of how the uh, fall practice or the fall season has gone for y'all. Yeah, it's gone really well. We've got a, a lot of new faces, uh, a, lot, a lot of transfers come in, some freshmen that are coming going to come in and make an immediate impact. Uh, but it's been a really good fall. We we got eight contests in. Uh, got to test ourselves, got to test some new kids a lot throughout the fall. Got a couple big wins. Uh, but e- even like I said, even though this is time where it usually winds down, we're in uh, our purple and gold World Series right now. Okay. So it, 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 it's still an exciting time for, for another two games in that that we have stretched out through our eight-hour weeks. Uh, so the girls are still getting some big competition in that they get excited for every year. Uh, then we just had a signing class a week ago. So there, there's a lot of action going on for November. Coach, how competitive are the Purple and Gold World Series games uh, there at Johnson Stadium? Or now, they, they, stadium? Get really, they, 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 get, they get really competitive. Uh, this is the first year that we let the girls draft the teams. Uh, we've had some assistant coaches that usually run run the Purple and Gold teams. They, they've been out recruiting and, and bouncing around and, and some things and uh, our pitching coach just got elected to Coastal Carolina Hall of Fame, so she missed she missed this past weekend. So we let the girls take ownership, and that that's that's exciting. And the, the excitement that they had behind it, the competitiveness. I, I think we'll go that route from now on. Let them do all the drafting. We'll give them some parameters, and they did a, a great job. And they took an ownership with it. So it's it's been pretty cool to see. Can they make any in uh, series trades? Are they able to do that? Or once you draft, you're, you that's the way it is. Yeah, mid-year transfers have kind of gone away now. This is the first year mid-year transfers are gone <laughs> right. for college softball for the most part. So uh, we have them draft as is, and they're running with it. They're owning it. There you go. Uh, Coach Shane Winkler joining us uh, here. We're talking to Pirate Softball as they wrap up the uh, fall season, and uh, we'll get set to uh, open uh, the new season come February. Coach, do you have an idea of the schedule yet? Uh, I don't know how much you could talk about it or how much – is finalized, but uh, do you kind of have an idea of where how all that's going to shape up? Yeah, it's it's finalized. It'll actually go out uh, Thursday this week, so it, it it'll be out this week. Uh, so lots to get excited about there. We'll we'll open the season uh, down in Charleston, South Carolina, so a place that uh, I spent ten years at. So we're actually opening up at Charleston Southern, where I coached at for ten years. So we'll open the season down there, uh, and then we got three home tournaments in a row for our fans to get an opportunity to see all of our new faces, our new kids, and see what this year's program is all about. So, uh, And then obviously throughout the schedule, we'll get an opportunity to get tested with plenty of ACC programs right down the road. Uh, Duke will be coming back to our place. Oh, NC wow. State will play at our place. So getting to host them is exciting for, for our players uh, and, and for our fans. So there, there is a lot to be excited about. And then a lot of new programs added to the American this year. So it's going to be a test throughout the entire season of the American. Even though we've had some leave, it's probably going to be as tough as it's ever been in the conference. Uh, so there's there's a big big test ahead coming in the spring, and uh, the schedule is going to be newly released. So a lot to look forward to. 
when you uh, have looked at uh, the the uh, the conference part of the schedule uh, or the new teams being added in the conference, what, what do you think they will bring? Well, we're we're bringing in uh, teams from Conference USA, where it was a multi multiple bid league last year. Uh, so North Texas and Charlotte both both went. Um, so they're, they're really tough programs. Uh, they've been top 50 programs throughout the past few years, but I think we bring in four or five that were top 100 this past year. So from a softball standpoint, it's, it's going to be a tough test. It's not getting any easier uh, just because you lose somebody like a UCF and, and Houston's always been good. So uh, we bring in programs that are going to be highly competitive. And it, it looks like we have the ability in our conference to go from two, three teams in, in the tournament to, to even more than that. Uh, in, in the future, which is exciting. But, I mean, one of the biggest things from a conference standpoint is we're going from seven teams in previous years up to up to 10. So we're going to play 27 conference games oh, wow. as opposed to 18. So we're going to start conference play a lot lot sooner. So we've got to get our stuff uh, shaped up as soon as we can throughout the first month of the season. Uh, and then we're going to be mixing in probably more midweek games uh, than in previous years because we're going to have less, less five-game tournaments. So, uh, the the sheer number of conference games is gonna uh, is gonna test us and our pitching staff and uh, and our roster as well. So uh, again, a big test, but uh, we're we're excited about it because it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight every weekend. We're talking uh, pirate softball with Coach Shane Winkler, and uh, let's uh, get into this year's roster a little bit that you have uh, coming out of the fall. Uh, we uh, saw Anna Sawyer put together a really uh, fast start to her freshman campaign, and, and on the whole, had a pretty solid campaign. I don't know if she hit a freshman wall, but you know, obviously, it's a game of adjustments. Uh, so let's let's start with her, and I'll let you take it from there. Some of the other returners that you're looking for big things out of. Yeah, Anna's one of our local products, and she, she did. She got her feet wet as a freshman, and uh, you start to see right away how tough it is at, at, at this level through a 56 game season, uh, and. Uh, in, in addition to Anna, we've got uh, Logan Sutton and uh, a couple others that, that made an impact last year. Uh, but it is, it's, it's a fresh roster. We've got uh, 11 newbies coming in. Uh, a lot of them are going to make an immediate impact. We hit the transfer portal really hard throughout the summer. Uh, the summer was really focused, one, on uh, getting our 2024 class finalized. But we hit the portal to make sure we set up our roster for this year. Uh, so uh, it, coming from the portal, uh, we've got some exciting ones. Emma Jackson has had a tremendous fall. She's coming in from Virginia Tech. Uh, just big-time athlete, huge power. Uh, so she's got the ability to be in the middle of our lineup. Uh, we've got a big one from Clemson, Morgan Johnson. Uh, she's six-two, big, strong athlete. Uh, and she hits the ball about as, as far as any, any player I've, I've ever had. Uh, we had athletes and uh, athletes unlimited, the professional league, mm-hmm. come in this summer, and they used our hit tracks, and she she broke all their numbers from from the hit track. So it's pretty impressive what she can do offensively. Another one that uh, can put up big numbers in the middle of our lineup. Uh, Annie Kate Dalton came over from North Carolina, uh, is getting an opportunity to to lead our defense from behind the plate as a catcher, uh, but offensively she's had a tremendous fall. So we're excited about a lot of the pieces that we brought in from the portal again ma- making a making an immediate impact and there's there's even more to continue to list but uh those, those are some that have, have stood out right away and then we got some young ones that uh, are going to make an impact in the lineup and both and, and pitching wise as well yeah how about uh some of the newcomers as far as the freshmen that we could see get some uh some time early you know Kenesha anderson uh an outfielder from california mm-hmm. it, it has stepped in and uh, she's got an opportunity to to be at the top of our lineup right away. She's a flapper with a ton of ton of speed. She's a track kid, uh, so she she's done a great job. Uh, so she has the ability right now. The season started today to be our everyday center fielder and uh, probably our leadoff hitter from from game one, which is exciting to have a freshman do that because it's something to build on for four years. Uh, and then we've got a couple freshmen that are going to make a big impact in our in our pitching rotation as well. Uh, Addie Bullis and Jordan Hatch return. Uh, as experienced lefties for us at the top of the rotation. They had solid years, but Taylor Apple uh, comes in highly regarded as a recruit from here in the state of North Carolina. She she had a great high school career. 
but she has shown some glimpses of some swing and miss stuff with high velocity in the fall. So we're excited about what, what she's doing. Uh, Devin Long's another one uh, that comes in from Georgia as a, as a freshman that can make an impact in the circle. And uh, recruited her, thought she'd be more of a project, and she stepped in and uh, has done really well against uh, your Dukes and NC States and, and teams that she's had an opportunity to face this fall. So she's more of a down ball kid that uh, can change direction a little bit change pace uh she's, she's done really well so we, we've got some freshmen that have the ability to make an impact in the circle which which is exciting so we've got upper classmen to lead the way so they don't have too much pressure on them early on but at the same time they've shown the ability to to i believe eat up some innings for us this spring you know there are, are right many uh from the state by by fact of being a freshman in the case of uh the conley uh alum Saw you're a, uh, a sophomore, but you know other transfers that were from within the state as well. So, you know, I, I got to think that's kind of uh, a big deal to have, you know, kids that uh, obviously should have a pretty good understanding of what East Carolina is all about. Yeah, that's that's big. I mean, obviously, uh, just the fan base, Pirate Nation, is so so impactful. So ha- having some of these kids that come in from a young age and coming as freshmen. Uh, excited about ECU and, and this university as that athletic department is, it is exciting. You, you want, you want to recruit in state hard. Uh, but we've had an opportunity through the transfer portal also bringing in kids that for one reason or another didn't look this way a few years ago and, and being able to bring them back. So uh, the biggest thing is going to be continuing to build our program to where in-state kids want to stay here and uh, if, if we do lose the recruiting battle to some of them, that the transfer portal is always going to be an option. You just recently signed a, a class that is uh, considered a, a really uh, top-ranked class. I mean, I, I think the only non-Power uh, 5 program you were telling me that's got multiple players in the top 20. So that's, that's uh, boy, what a, what a great job you and your staff have done recruiting-wise. Yeah, signing day couldn't come soon enough. We've, we've got a couple in that class that uh, it doesn't happen often in softball, but if you look at football, some kids uh, change commitments, change, change verbals last minute. Uh, so we, we didn't think we'd have that case, but that's that's one that we're, we got some kids that we're so high on that uh, we're worried that someone's come in and sneak them away last minute. But uh, we, we got them all penned to paper uh, last Wednesday on signing day, and it's, it's a class that has the ability to make a big impact. Uh, through the recruiting rankings, we're, we're right around the top 25 ranking uh, in recruiting classes, and I, I believe has the ability to be that good and, and potentially better. Uh, we've got pitching in that class that has the ability to, uh, I, I believe, put us in a position to compete for championships. Obviously, it starts in the circle. We've got two in that class that are difference makers. Uh, Kendall Frost is pitching at some of the best programs in the country right now, and uh, she's she's shut down some teams recently uh, that has been pretty impressive. She's she's coming out of Georgia. She's a, one of the top 20 ranked pitchers in the entire country in the recruiting class. So she's got the ability to compete as an ace from day one. Um, and Ava Fisher's another one that's probably one of the higher velocity kids that we've had in the program for a long time coming in from New Jersey. Uh, but she also swings a big bat. Uh, so she's a highly regarded kid that's going to, be making the move down south here. So those, those are two that in the circle uh, can make a big impact for us that we can build our rotation around for a long time. But um, beyond those two, we've got some thump offensively coming. Uh, it's one thing that we've lacked a little bit that I think we've, we've added in the transfer portal for this season. Uh, but in the future, we're, we're going to have a lot more power with the, the three others that we got coming. Jenner Cole from South Carolina is another top 20 ranked kid. Uh, can play a lot of different positions, but she, she swings the bat as well as Many in the in the entire recruiting class. Uh, Gabby Fowler is one from Indiana coming down. That we had her come in some of our early camps, and she's got some of the highest exit velocities of of any recruit in the country. So she puts on a show uh, in batting practice. We're looking to see that translate. And then Brooke, Brooke Massengale, our our kid from North Carolina, coming in catcher that played with some of our current Oscar players. That another top 100 ranked kid, uh, one of the top 40 ranked catchers in the country. So We've got a class that we're really excited about that we, we really put a lot of effort in the past two and a half years to uh, be a difference-making class for us. 
Coach Shane Winkler is with us. One of the big things uh, that you wanted to do when you came in was change the culture, and there's a lot of ways you could do that. You stuck with the kids that had committed here uh, where, you know, some coaches go in and it's a total, uh, you know, clear everybody out type of situation. But, uh, you know, I think you had some other big picture things in mind with the with the with those ladies ending their career, uh, you know, in a in an environment that is one that, that – uh, you know, fosters a, a more harmonious locker room in many ways. So I, I just wanted to have you kind of speak to, you know, that philosophy and uh, and, and give you some props for how you've handled, uh, you know, transitioning in with, with players that you in- inevitably kind of made your own. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that, Patrick. But, I mean, it's, I, I hopefully it's well known that our, our culture is a big deal to us. Uh, and I think with the kids that we're getting in from the transfer portal, it's it's for a reason. Uh, they're hearing about the way we run things and the way we take care of our kids and uh, just the environment that we want to provide. And uh, they're starting to realize that that's a place that they want to be a part of. Uh, We've got all the resources and the facilities and things that uh, a lot of the power fives have, but uh, now we've got a culture as well that kids really want to be a part of. So we believe we've got the best of all worlds. Uh, and at that time, you, know, you, you don't see that from a recruiting standpoint a lot. But once, once some of these kids get to be a part of the way we run things, and uh, like I said, just, just the positive environment, uh, the way we run practice, and uh, the way they're able to enjoy themselves as a part of our program, uh, I think it allows them to, to get the most out of themselves. And kids are seeing that, and the word's being spread uh, throughout uh, travel ball coaches and programs throughout the Southeast. So. We're going to start seeing better recruiting classes because of it. But, again, kids are going to want to be transferring here from some Power Fives like they did this past summer. So uh, it, it's it's starting to really serve us really well the way we're running things. And uh, we've seen some success on the field the past two years, uh, not in conference as much as we've wanted to. But uh, I, I believe the way we've established our culture is going to give us the launching point to really have some success this year and in the future. Hey, Shane, it's great to catch up with you, and we'll talk to you when the uh, season gets underway. Awesome, Patrick. I appreciate you as always.